Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in our series called It's a Wonderful Life. And um, often I'm reminded when I look around our world today that not everyone experiences a wonderful life. And as I was kind of prepping for this message, God also kind of laid on my heart, not everyone in the church experiences a wonderful life. Not every Christian is living in the fullness of a wonderful life. And you know, I think there's some flawed thinking, so hopefully I can shake up some religious beliefs today that you know, I've heard the saying, when you have Jesus, everything's fine. That F word, fine. Everything's fine, I've got Jesus. And all I need is Jesus and I'll have a wonderful life. That's, that's actually, it's a little flawed, it's a little broken. When all you have is Jesus, you're guaranteed eternity in heaven. But every moment between today and that day, it, if you just have Jesus, you're not guaranteed a wonderful life. Having Jesus gets you into heaven, but unless you're following Jesus, unless you're living for Jesus, in between. That's why it says we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Too often we just want that Savior part. Like, Lord, I just, I need you because when I die, I don't want to go to hell. Right? But then we forget about that Lord part. That part that says, you tell me to go and I'll go. You tell me no and I won't. You, you, you tell me to stay quiet. It's the hardest one for me. <laughs> you tell me I can't speak back. When, when my wife and I are having a disagreement and you tell me I need to shut up. That's the hardest one for me. But I'm learning. I'm getting better. Anyways, if, you're, if, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, there's two words that can never be uttered. No, Lord. That's a, a Joyce Myers quote. You can't tell the Lord no if he's the Lord of your life. So too often I find myself in this walk of life where I, I'll, I'll say, oh, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if you meant. Like when I first got asked to lead this amazing worship team, I was like, I think you guys have the wrong guy. I'll, I'll be honest. And, it, and then I had God say, well, I'm asking you. And I was like, yeah, I still think you got the wrong guy, pretty sure. <laughs> Anyways, though, um, it's that stepping into the fullness of the wonderful life. It, it requires following Jesus on a new level and, and really committing your whole, whole walk to him. And I, um, I have a note written on my desk on a piece of paper that says, I, I am not what I feel. I'm what I decide. And I, I believe so strongly that everything in our life is a choice, every single thing. You, you can't determine what, takes, what happens to you in your life, but you can absolutely and 100% determine how you respond. If I yell at my kids, I made a choice to yell at my kids. And I, I got to teach this to my kids in a fun way the other day. Um, I like to teach them through examples in my life. And when we were coming home from the river, um, my lead foot was a little more lead than normal. And coming ripping through the median was one of California's finest state troopers. And uh, he wrote me a ticket for much less than what I deserved. And as we were pulling away, I told my kids, girls, um, can I tell you what just happened there? And they said, you got a ticket. <laughs> and I said, dad chose that ticket. And they said, no, you didn't. You wouldn't have chose that if you had a choice. And I said, I absolutely had a choice. I chose to speed. I am in control of this vehicle, and I chose to speed. And because of that, I chose to get the ticket. And I said, it's the same thing, girls, when you choose to disobey your mom, and you have to get 
disciplined. You, you chose the discipline. So it's, it was a great teaching moment for me. Anyways, that's not in my notes. I don't know. I took a side turn, but I felt, I felt God telling me as I was going through this that um, people are all around them every day. He has placed fruit for them right in reach for, for today, to make today a wonderful life for you. It's right in your reach. It's not for tomorrow. It's not tomorrow's. So the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Each morning, I think, I think God gets excited about it. Like I see him getting all giddy. Like I wonder if Jared's going to see the fruit that I put right here. Like he's got to stand on his tiptoes to get to it. He's got to work a little bit harder to get to it. But I wonder if he's going to see it because it's just for today. And I just, I felt, um, I felt God telling me that too often I personally, he, he always, all my messages, by the way, are things that I'm walking through. He tells me that I too often let feelings dictate decisions instead of decisions be informed by feelings. If you were here on Sunday, Pastor Brian, Dr. Brian, Dr. Pastor Brian, I never know what to say. <laughs> Dr. Brian talked about um, feelings and how they're given to us by God and how important they are. And I will tell you that you should never ignore your feelings. Feelings are a great indicator. They're a great gauge of what's going on in your world, in your mind. But they should never, ever be the decision maker in your world. Because the second that they are, you become like the reed. You become, like it says in uh, Proverbs, you become like the chaff that blows away with the wind. Because one day you'll make a decision when you're feeling great. And then when it comes to execute on that decision or that commitment that you make, if you're not feeling so great, you won't. You won't live in integrity. Um, but I felt God telling me that we must choose to reach out and grab that fruit. The title of my message today is Reach For It. Oh, yeah, there we go. Reach for it. Um, if you take nothing else away from this message, I want what I, what I really want to instill is a thought that God has put in my heart about a year ago, that every single day we get to choose whether we're going to have a great day or whether we're going to let the day dictate what kind of day it is for us. And all we have to do is reach for it. Reach for that one piece, that one extra thing. Reach for that great day. Um, one of my favorite prayers is actually not a prayer from the Bible but a quote from it that I pray over my life quite often says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's a prayer from our recovery group that we have here on Sunday nights. It's a prayer that I've prayed. Yeah, come on, recovery. I'm, I'm proud to say I go to recovery on Sunday nights and that I am recovered from a lot of hangups in my past that I'm no longer a part of. But um, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're hurting for something, I'm going to give a shameless plug. If you're hurting for something in your life that you feel has a grip on you, I want to encourage you to come on Sunday nights and experience some of the freedom that me and so many others have experienced. Thanks. All right, so that, that courage to change the things I can change in my life always echoes really loud for me because there is so much that we can change on any given day. I can change... With, with, a, with a twinge in my voice, not a, not a volume change, just a tone change, whether my wife thinks I'm yelling or not. It's my choice. It's not her choice. It's not how she hears it. It's 100% my choice. I can choose with the way I say something whether my child feels corrected or beat down. I get to choose that. Every day I have these choices, and, those, and what I'm praying for is, God, give me the courage to make that one that's in alignment with what you're doing. Man, I'm not even getting to my points yet. Um, <laughs> I was asking God, as I was, I was prepping for this, I was asking God, Lord, how can two people experience the same situation and one have a, see it wonderfully, 
have an amazing time and one see it terribly. And I just felt God say it's perspective. This perspective, and, and I am convinced, not, not convinced, this is a fact at least to me, and I'd love you to prove me wrong, but every situation in life, no matter how bad, has at least some good in it. And every situation, no matter how good, has something in it that you can pick apart. And it's just a matter of what we determine to focus on. Because what we focus on expands. I read a great book called A Man's Search for Meaning. It is a book written by Viktor Frankl, who was a psychologist that went through the um, concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And he was treated with the, probably the worst that any group of humans has treated another group of humans for a sustained amount of time. And what he said in that concentration camp is that if I didn't focus on my current situation, if I focused on the past and what used to be or uh, maybe a potential opportunity in the future, I could miss what's going on right here in front of me. And I'm going to read the quote because I don't want to get it wrong. He said, in robbing the present of its reality, there lay a certain danger. He's talking about his day-to-day in a concentration camp. In robbing the present of its reality, they lay a certain danger. It becomes easy to overlook the opportunities to make something positive of camp life opportunities which really do exist. This is the worst conditions you could live in. They, they didn't give you a name. They, they beat you down to nothing but dirt. They, they put a number on you, and that's all you were to them. And yet he said there's, there's opportunity there to find something positive. Church, if we choose to focus on the positive things in any given day, if you can't find anything else, just think about which direction you're pushing the grass. I'm serious. If you can't think about anything else, I took a breath today. My lungs work. What we forget is that we live in an amazing nation in what I am still convinced is an amazing state. And yet every morning we wake up and we find these things that's wrong. We talk about the governor, this, this, and this, instead of praying, Lord, bring your people into the office. We always complain about the things. I can tell you that the things you take for granted, turning on water that is drinkable, people would call a God story. It today, people, in other countries. Beginning to look at that perspective. Oh, man, I love, I got to tell this story. I'm going to, this is one of the funniest stories I've ever had in my whole life, but it really drove this point home for me. I worked in um, the Naval Shipyard in Pearl Harbor, which today is December 7th, uh, and that, that day means a lot to me because every day when I went to work, I saw some of the sunk ships on my way to work. So it carried a lot of weight for me, but one day I was, I was walking, it was about 9 o'clock in the morning, to grab a breakfast sandwich. I was high on life like I always am. I, if, if you work with me, Jesse does so he knows Mondays are my favorite day. And people get a little annoyed because every Monday I'm fired up and ready to go. And I, I love Mondays. And I decided a long time ago I'm going to flip the script. I don't, I'm not going to be the I hate Mondays guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw people off first thing. So I'm walking, it's probably a Monday, I don't know what day it is, and this guy's walking towards me, and I know him, I've worked with him, and he is exhausted, he is beat up, he's got oil on him, he's been in, if, is anybody here in the Navy? Thank you for your service, I love my Navy people. I worked for the Navy for 10 years. He had just come out of crawling fuel oil tanks on a DDG for about 10 hours straight. So if you've ever been in those tanks, it is miserable. Um, and he just looks exhausted, he, he did an overnight shift, and I was like, Rich, how you doing, man? And he's like, I'm so tired. I've worked 12 hours straight, and i got to go fill out some paperwork. And I was like, oh, man, Rich, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. And he just stops dead in his tracks. He's from Alabama, but a real thick accent. And he goes, a bad day? Who said anything about having a bad day? And I was like, well, I thought, I thought you did. And he goes, man, Van, 
He called me, I don't everybody called me Van. Van, every two weeks, man, they keep cutting me them checks. That's a good day. <laughs> day, day they stop cutting them checks, man, that's, that's a bad day right there. <laughs> and it just, it made my day. And, and really, I got hit in that moment. And I felt God say to me, every day that you choose to follow me, to make me your Lord, that's a good day. The day that you wake up and you're like, God, I'm gonna do this one on my own. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you on Wednesday night. That's a bad day. And so I just, that perspective shift, I'm gonna finally get into my points, I promise. That perspective shift is so important and it's so um, needed. Give me just a second. All right, here we go. My first point is fix your thoughts on your wonderful life. Oh, good, they capitalize your. It's important. Um, in Philippians 4.8, and yes, I know that Dr. Brian preached out of Philippians. I, I promise I had this verse before his message. But in Philippians 4.8, in the NIV version, it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I think the underlying tone in this verse is, it's situation independent. It doesn't say when you're having a good day, think about such things. It says all the time. And I got really convicted in, in my life, like after a rough day at work. I was like, man, I just had a really rough day. I feel like God say, you're, that's, that's sinning. I told you in my word to focus on good things. You got paid a, a lot of money to sit and have a bad day. Like you're getting to pay your bills and feed your kids and put a roof over your head to have a bad day. Like what, focus on those things. And I, like just that thought, it kind of always challenges me. This verse, every time I read it, it challenges me. And I want to, like, I didn't do it at the beginning, but I want to honor um, my wife because she does this so well. I, I can tell you that I, I, probably, I probably pick on myself more than others. And I can tell you that I have a lot of faults. A lot of things that I need to work on and grow in. Um, my leaders could probably point out one or two of them. But what I'll tell you about my wife is she never says a word about them, ever. And sometimes she has to just choose not to speak because that all that's present is my fault. But what I have loved about you, babe, and what I honor in you is every time I do something boneheaded, you just let God convict me and you never speak anything negative over me and you never have in, in our 10 years of marriage and our 14 years together and I honor you and I love you. Thank you. Oh, I'd, I'd love to say it's the other way around and I've never pointed out her faults. I'm getting better at it. But I want to encourage you in, in your marriage, in friendships, when you see those things in someone else that you don't like, choose to just stay silent. Choose to just overlook it. Choose to look at the good things in them. Because every person, no matter how bad, still has some good, because they're made in the image of God. Everyone, believer, non-believer. Look, I, I, when we can find that peace to love in someone else, that good, like I, I can look at politicians, I could name 10 of them, and I could find thousands of things to hate, or I could find one thing to love. That's what this verse means to me. It's what it pulls out. If we can focus our thoughts on the wonderful things in our life, in our day. Look for those moments, those things that God's handpicked and placed in your life just for you, that sunrise, that only you can view from your perspective. Like I, every morning when I get up, and I do mean every morning, I wish I could stop doing this, but I can't. 
Every morning out of bed, my foot hits the ground and I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it every day. And I do that for one reason. No one else gets to experience their feet on that carpet, in that room, in that house, that morning. And that is, that's special to me. That means that God literally designed today the way I experience it just for me. And he did the same for you every day. If we can focus on those little things. And um, sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes it's, it's hard to focus. It's hard to find wonderful things in your life when you're in routine. Now, I love routine. I am a firm believer in having a great routine. But David Macon preached last week on Wednesday, and he said, I want to encourage you, take a walk with God. Get outside of your house, take a walk with God, pray with him. And the reason why I think that's so important and it's biblical is when God was showing Abraham the stars, the first thing he did, this is in the middle of the night, was wake him up and say, leave your tent. Now, I don't think Abraham was in the habit of getting up in the middle of the night, out of his cozy bed, going outside and leaving the tent. But I think it's symbolic because what God was saying is, hey, there's, there's something in your day-to-day that is preventing you from seeing the stars. And I need you to step out so that you can see the vision that I've created over your life. You can see the calling I've placed on it. Walk with me. Step into new environments with me. Step into something maybe a little uncomfortable. Get out of that comfortable space and see the wonderful things that are in your life. Um, my point number two is... Stretch the dormant parts of your life. I tend to call this, this is something I refer to as the impossible reach. Um, last time I preached, Pastor Michael said that uh, Jared doesn't know the word impossible and that he doesn't have it in any of his dictionary at, at home. And I laughed and <laughs> I laughed a lot because what he didn't know was that I have a picture above my desk of a very large page from the dictionary that I tore out of a dictionary that was getting thrown away, and I cut out the word impossible and impossibility, and I put it above my desk so that every day I looked at it. I literally don't have it in the dictionary in my house. <laughs> so when I say impossible reach, uh, I hope that you hear that this is the reach that, of something that seems impossible to men. Like, if you tell me it's impossible, man, I get fired up. I'm going to try it. Like, oh, it's, as a kid, people would say, it's impossible to jump across that gap. I was the first one. Like. But, no, this reach, this reach is one, like, there are things in our life that have died, that have gone dormant. And some of them need to stay there. And I, I want to preference this point with that because there are parts of my life that have died that will never come back to life. And I'm so proud of that. Um, and I want to encourage you that not everything in your life that is dead needs to come back to life. But there are some parts of your life that have died that God wants to revive. He wants you to bring back. He wants you to stretch out. And my verse here is Luke 6.10. I think it's up on the screen. But this is um, when the religious leaders were being all religious and said you can't do anything on a Sunday. And I think Jesus did this for three reasons. And I'll, I'll get into those in a little bit. But the verse says, and when he looked around at them, remember that first part, when he looked around at them, he said to them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, the, one of the main things that I love about this story is this was this man's right hand. The Bible is clearly, clear and articulates it was his right hand, and it was shriveled. It was worn out. It was useless to him. A useless right hand in those days meant a useless person. Because right hand was your hand of power. It was the hand that you blessed your children with. 
It was the hand that did everything for you. So if your right hand was crippled, you were crippled. You were disabled. You were less than in society. And I think in that moment, Jesus looked around and he, he saw an opportunity to do more than just heal. One, he, he saw an opportunity to shake up some religious people's beliefs, which I love about Jesus. Like anytime he had an opportunity to shake some people up, he did it. But then two, he saw an opportunity to train some people. He saw an opportunity to teach the people looking around that knew this man his whole life, that probably helped him move every time he moved. There was probably somebody who had to take his trash out for him every day. There was probably somebody that had to help him pick up his bedding when it went to get cleaned. Like there was somebody that had to help him do all of his life that was probably in that room. And what I, what I find unique is Jesus didn't say, be healed. He didn't go up to the man and say, You're, be healed. He did in other, in other parts of the Bible and other healings, but to this man, he didn't. He said, stretch out your hand. And I think if, if God was talking to me and I had a crippled hand for my whole life and he said, God, stretch out your hand, I think I'd reply with, don't you think I've tried? Like, it's crippled. I've tried to stretch it out my whole life. Like, I've gone to therapy. I've, I've got doctors to look at it. I've had surgeries. Like, I've tried to stretch it out. What are you talking about? Stretch out your hand. You stretch it out. You're the Messiah. <laughs> and I, I think that oftentimes in our life, We'll want God to say something into our situation or break through, break off something for us or do something in a way that we expect it. And he asks us to do something different that it ends at the same result. And too often if we miss it, if we argue with it, I think that we can, we can miss the healing. I will tell you that man had to be a participant in his healing. He had to join in and he had to actually reach that dead thing out to Jesus. He had to stretch it out. And the Bible says it was restored as whole as the other. What things in your life today used to be vibrant and alive? Maybe it's a business idea you had or a song that you wanted to write in this house. Maybe it's health, health that you've had that slipped away. What, maybe it's a, a passion in your marriage that used to be there that's maybe gotten a little less passionate. God wants you to take that thing and stretch it towards him. Exercise it again. Move it again. He's calling to you and saying, stretch out that area of your life that's gone dormant. Reach into that wonderful life and take hold of the fullness that I have for you. And one of the main things I love about this, the other people in the room got breakthrough. There was somebody that was, I'm telling you, somebody was over the moon excited because he was like, I don't have to take Mike's trash out anymore. He was stoked because he didn't have to help him anymore. But I, I'm a little joke there, but I think that the, the important part is I do believe that someone else's breakthrough is sitting right on the other side of you stretching out that dormant part in your life. And I think that I, I do, I believe that there's, there's a God calling on the inside of some of us that's been there for years that sat dormant right underneath our chest. And every time something pops up, you're like, yeah, at least I know for me there is, there's a couple of them. They're like, yeah, I, I should write that song. I need to go back to writing that song. And I'm telling you, like, there's people that want a breakthrough that are like, oh, God, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. And he said, I've got it for you. It's right on the other side of you getting this person their breakthrough. It's right on the other side of it. It's ready for you. Come get it. You're like, no, 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 give me my, give me my breakthrough, God. I always find when I ask God for, I say my when I'm talking to God. He's like, right, tell me, tell me more. Um, my final point, I promise this is my final point, is reach out to those around you. 
this can be an uncomfortable reach. Reach out to those around you. I, I personally believe that one of the best experiences in life that will make your life full of wonder and amazing is when you can help someone else reach a life full of wonder for themselves. And I'll tell you that, like, looking around this room, I see so many amazing people that I know and love. And I'll tell you that there's people in your world that I'll never reach. Like, Eric, there's people that you'll reach that I'll never reach. Dave Greta, there's, there's men in your world that you'll reach that I'll never reach. Zach, I know I can see you back there behind the lights. There's people that you're meant to reach, that you're meant to speak to that I'll never be able to reach. And to each of us, Brad, there's people in the Navy that you need to speak to that I'll never be able to reach. There's people all over in our worlds that, that people need to reach out to that I can't reach. Pastor Michael will never be able to reach. As amazing as he is, he can't reach all the people in this city, but we can. We can do it. And I, the, my verse here... My verse here to back this one up is Proverbs eleven twenty five. It's the second part of the verse. And it says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I fully believe that if we go out into our city, if we go to our neighbor's house, the guy that all you say to him is, hey, Jim, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And you walk in and that's all you ever know is that his name's Jim. If we go to his house the next time and we invite him to come to Twisted with us, it might be a little uncomfortable. He might say no, he might say yes. If he says yes, then you gotta take him. Like it might be a little uncomfortable, but that may be the only Jesus he ever gets to see. That may be the only time, it may be the, he may be wanting somebody to reach out to him. He might be on the verge of, of quitting, of giving up on life. And all he needs is that one reach. I can't reach him. I need to go reach my neighbors. I, I'm saying all this not to convict anyone, but out of, out of the things that God's convicted me in. So as I wrap up, uh, the most important reach and the one I want to give us all an opportunity for tonight is that reach up. It's that reach to Jesus. And, you know, I said at the very beginning of my message, when we have Jesus, we have that promise of eternity. And then we need to, have to, to follow him and to lead the life that he's called us to lead every day. But we can't even begin to get into the wonderful life if we don't have him as our Lord and Savior. And I think that the most important reach we can ever make is that reach up, that reach that says, Lord, I can't, I can't do it on my own. I need you in my life. I need you in my day-to-day. -day. I need you in my business. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my parenting. I need you in every aspect of what I'm doing. And so, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna make this weird or uncomfortable or awkward, but if that's you, if you feel it in your heart, I won't call you down to stage. I won't ask you to stand up. I just ask simply that you lift your hand. If that's you tonight and you want to accept the Lord as your personal Savior, please raise your hand. I see that hand all over this room. I see that hand. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. And more importantly, he sees that hand. We'll give it another minute because I think that this is the most important reach that you'll ever make in your life. That today, that December 7th can be a day that lives in infamy for you. It can be a day that you always look back to to say, that's when something shifted. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Maybe, maybe you've said that prayer as a child when you were five or six and you think it'll be all right now, but you're not sure. If that's you, just slip up your hand as well. He'll see it. He'll see it. All right, well, thank you so much to the three people that raised their hand. I know that today the Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And I wanna take an opportunity to pray with you. So if you'd all bow your heads with me and pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I invite you into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make today the day that I turn from the old and step into a new life with you. I repent of my old ways, of my sinful life. And today I step into sonship or daughtership with you. I confess that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead for me. And I thank you for what you've done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.